Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. And we're back. Pure Sport Project. Recording number two this week, actually. Would have been three, but we missed one. But it's all good. We are joined by Tim Coyote. Am I saying that right? Yes, yes, we are indeed. The man, the myth, the legend. Actually pretty handy at boxing. Just did a little boxing class upstairs on the rooftop. And I was parting up with Tim and my shoulder's a bit sore now. I'm taking, <laughs> taking the big punches. Good news is he can fix you up a treat though, can't he? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Founder of Myoset, uh, making waves in the recovery game for various different reasons, which we'll get into later. But what we usually do to not give you a disservice, Tim, we let our guests give a little introduction of themselves and then, yeah, we'll dive in from there. Yes. So I am a performance therapist and have been for the last five or six years, aka a physio, basically, glorified physio. (laughs) Now flex it up. I love that. So I've been working in elite sport now for the past six years and yeah. Ready to take over. Myoset coming soon, July. And yeah, really excited. Your earliest days, what made you interested in getting into the game? Because I know a lot of people that get into it were sportsmen themselves. And then either they wanted to be elite and didn't quite make it, or they did it alongside their sport because it naturally goes hand in hand with it. And then realized they loved it so much that they made it their professional career. So what's your story? Yeah. So for me, I actually started as a professional footballer. I was playing... I actually only retired, uh, what, what we, tw- four, five years ago now? So I started as a pro footballer, started very young in the West Ham Academy. I was there from about six or seven years old. Big up the Hammers. Big up the Hammers. Had a good season this year. And I was there right up until 17, 18. Didn't get offered an extension. And then from there, I just like sort of fell down the leagues a little bit and bounced around in the football league, played for Northampton, played for a couple of other clubs in the football league. Then decided to go overseas. And then when I was 22, I had a, a career ending injury and it just it was an absolute game changer. I had to have surgery. I had to go. It was literally like I did the injury one week and the next week I was in a treatment table in, in Australia getting knee surgery. So it was a surreal experience and yeah, changed everything for me. And what's your what's your thoughts about game of football in itself? Like how it takes you on that roller coaster. I know. A lot of people I know in sort of the rugby world and how, especially when you're young and you have that massive platform, you're, you're playing at West Ham, you expect yourself, it's like you're in that you're in that arena already, so you're expecting to go on and that to be your career. How was it for you? How was that mental switch? Because, bro, I wouldn't be able to deal with it very well. What goes through your head when you're like, okay, I've regrouped West Ham, they're not offering me something, but I'm now going to go out and still be hungry and play somewhere else what was that like for you I've always been the type of person that likes to prove people wrong so if somebody tells me I can't do it I'll go and do it <laughs> so I'm, I'm naturally a rebel so when I got let go by West Ham the main thing was believe it or not I used to be really small so they were like you're too small you're undersized you're not going to be able to handle the demands of the physical game so I think it was like that summer I grew about six inches so the next club I went to was like, bloody hell, yeah, we're going to take him straight away. Northampton were like, we're, we're having him all day long. So I signed a, like a three-year pro. So I was like chuffed. And then from there, it was just, okay, dropping down the leagues. How can I get back to the top league? You know, I wanted to play in the Premier League. I wanted to play in the Champions League. You know, I, I, I was convinced that I was going to go. I was convinced that I, was, I wanted to play for Man United. 
that was the team that I wanted to play for. Alex Ferguson was the manager. I was convinced that that was the team that I was going to play for. So for me, it was just like, what route do I need to take to get there so that I can prove these people wrong, prove these coaches wrong that said I wasn't quite big enough or strong enough or good enough. So I, I just figured if I go and play in the football league, because it's a lot more physical, especially for me as being a defender, I'm just going to get tons and tons and tons of experience, which I did. And it was helpful. And then when I decided to go abroad, it was, it's, it's a lot more common now in, in modern day football. You see a lot of players going to play in Germany, which is what I did. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of me growing up as a man, learning about a different culture, learning a different language. And they develop you so differently out there compared to what they do in England. It's, it's very much more, especially back then, it was just like, are you athletic? If you're athletic, you can play. Whereas in Germany, you have to have, it's, it's like in England at the time, they were playing chess. In Germany, they're playing checkers. So it was like, oh no, the other way around. <laughs> they're playing chess in Germany, they're checkers in England. So it was more technical. You had to have the athleticism, but you had to have the brain to go with it and the technical ability. So I just remember being out there and like my coach would always challenge me. He would ask me, okay, why did you just pass that ball? Like he would stop the training session and be like, why did you just give him the ball? Why did you just do that? And I'd be looking at him, what do you mean? I'm just passing it to the guy, isn't it? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> no, like he'd probably like tell me off. Like, and I'm like, at the time, what was I, 20, 21? So I'm like, what the hell like, are you talking about? Like, see that age, you think you're the best, you're the best in sliced bread, you know, blah, blah. But as time went on, I was like, wow, like I've really developed. And I remember my parents came out to watch me play. And my dad obviously used to come watch all my games with my older brother. And they were like, flipping out, you're, you're a different animal now. Like you're, you're, you are com like a complete player. So that switch from, it was my second year out there was when I got injured. It was devastating because at the time, a lot of the, the best clubs in England had started to then look at me and say, oh, you've got a 21-year-old centre-half that's English playing second top division in Germany. It's got to be good. Starting, he's playing in the first team. He's got to be good. I probably saw you on uh, Transfer News <laughs> in the summer as an Arsenal fan, hoping we've signed someone decent. <laughs> you know, I, was, I came very, very, very close to signing for Blackburn Rovers when they was in the Premier League. And it was that summer that, that is when I got injured. So it was literally like I got injured. Then the next week, as I said, I, they flew me out to Australia because the doctor who specialises in my injury, he was one of the best. He'd done all the Australian national team, the NBA players. He does a lot of the rugby boys as well, the All Blacks and stuff like that. So he took me over there. They, the club took me over there and I, and I did the surgery over there. Now, I didn't realise that because of the nature of the surgery, I wasn't going to be able to fly. So they didn't let me fly. So I ended up staying in Australia for eight months. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> what, they didn't tell you that? Was there like a loss in translation or were they just like, fuck it, we're not telling you? I was just like, your knee's fucked. Somebody <laughs> fucked up there. <laughs> they were basically like, so I tore my lateral meniscus, which is the, the worst one that you can do because not a lot of blood gets to that part of the knee. How, how did you do it? Yeah. It was in a game. It was in a game. Just a really bad tackle from a centre forward. I'll never forget who it was. It was just a really bad tackle. Sort of like, you know them ones when like your leg plants and then your body goes one way but your leg doesn't? Mm. It was one of those. And then I dislocated my, my kneecap so my kneecap was over here. <laughs> and to be honest with you, like it didn't hurt because of adrenaline and everything. It didn't hurt. It was like the, day, the next day I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> um, so they took it, sent me for an MRI. Obviously, they could see the, the kneecap was dislocated. So they popped it back into place. And then they sent me for an MRI. And they was like, yeah, you shattered all the ligaments. And I also did some stuff to my tibia and fibula. So they were just like, look, 
quick decision. You've got to go out to, to Australia to do the surgery. I'll never forget him. Big up Dr. Tony Genko. He's an absolute legend. So I went out there, had the surgery. I didn't tell my parents because they, I knew they was going to be devastated. So when I got there, the doctor says, we've got two options. Well, we're going to take all the cartilage out of your knee and you're going to have severe osteoarthritis and probably need to walk on a walking stick in the next year. Or we'll try and repair it. So in my head, I'm like, we can take the cunt out. I'm going Blackburn Rovers mm. in six weeks' time. I just want to play. So he was like, okay, if I do that, you're probably going to only be able to play for a year and then you're done. So that's when I was like, okay, I should probably ring my dad. So I ran my dad and I was like, dad, what should I do? And he was like, look, just listen to the doctor's advice. Like, go for it. So I was like, should we tell mum? And he was like, no. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. So I had the surgery. I wake up. I thought it was a dream. Like, I, I thought it was a dream. I woke up and was like, ah, oh, I see bright lights. So I was like, oh, thank God it was just a dream. I looked down, I look at my leg, freaking massive blood everywhere. So, oh my gosh, awful. And then, yeah, the doctor walks in and he's like, look, we was able to repair it. You know, he was like, it's going to be a long rehab, probably about two years. But, you know, if you if everything goes your way, you'll be able to play, you know, until your mid-20s or so. So he was like, just play as long as you can, do everything the physios tell you, and you'll be fine. So I'm just sitting there like, what? Like, I was devastated, like, 21-year-old in Australia, in Brisbane, like, first time ever going there. So eventually we told my mum, and my mum was on the first flight. She came and stayed with me for the rest of the, about six months or so. So I was set up at the Australian Institute of Sport. So I was doing all my rehab there and it was the worst thing ever just because I was really imp impatient. I, I lost all the muscle in my left leg. Then because of that, I started getting lower back issues. I started getting problems with my feet. Like I tore my calf. I then tore my hamstring shortly after just because of the atrophy. It was awful. But from that, that is what, gave me the passion and desire to want to become a physio because the physio and the doctor over there and all the therapists, sports therapists, they were not only helping me physically, but they were helping me mentally. Like I, I'd lost all my confidence. I was like scared. Like it was like, I, I didn't want anybody to come anywhere near my left leg. I would always favor, like I would almost, almost turn to my right. So it was like my right side in, in front. Subconsciously, you just yeah. protect it. Yeah. yeah, just wanted to protect it. So they, they, they had to retrain me from a cognitive standpoint. And that's when I was like, okay, wow, this is like, these people are legends. And like, I always thought I would go into coaching. Like I went and got all my coaching badges, my football badges, FA level one, level two, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I started, when I, my time in Australia, experiencing what I went through and, and being around them, I was like, I can do this. Like, and I would be able to, I would enjoy this. Like, I wouldn't feel like I'm working. I would, I would feel like I'm helping people, you know, and I have a unique viewpoint on it from just being through, you know, elite sport and, and going through what I've gone through. So, yeah, that's when I was like, all right, let's play as long as I can. But I should probably start thinking about studying now. So <laughs> when I came back to the UK, I finished the rest of my rehab at a place in West London. And um, again, they were legends, helped me mentally. And then the problem that I was having with the majority of football clubs is whenever I would go and sign. So the process for a player, when he goes to sign for a football club, you have to go through like some crazy ass medical. So it's like they check your brain, they check your heart, they check your hips, your knees, your ankles, everything. You go for MRIs, you put you on this treadmill with all the dots, et cetera, your cardiac output, et cetera, et cetera. So the biggest issue that I would always have is when people would do the scan of my knee, it shows up that there's no cartilage in my knee. 
So they're like, you're a time bomb. Like you're at any minute that knee's going to explode. So <laughs> you, no club will insure you. No club will be able to get insurance. So it's, clubs view it as you're a bad investor. So what clubs were saying is we'll sign you because you've got ability, but we'll sign you on a pay as you play contract. So it's like, damn, if my other knee blows out, then it means that I'm out for two years, no money. So I was like, I can't do this. Like, what am I going to do? So I would sign the contract just so that because of my desire to want to continue to play. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, I need to start preparing for life after football, which is when I decided to go and and study. So I studied part, I did a part-time degree. So rather than usually if it takes three years, mine took me four. And then by the time I pretty much finished my degree, I was like ready to hang up my boots anyway. So it was like, oh, transition quite smoothly. So my agent, shout out to my agent, he managed to get me a contract with a club in Norway, two years up front, like no pairs you play, like just two years up front. So he was like, get yourself over there straight away. Like just take the money, just take it. So I was like, all right, all right. I was like, all right, cool. So again, it was a mad dash. Like, all right, I was like, right I've got to get on a flight. I've got to get to Oslo. So I went out there and the first year went pretty well. Like I spent, you know, I played, I got game time. I think I played like 26 games in a season, which is like, for me, was like amazing. And then the second year, it was tough. Like, I think my body was just like tapped out. Can't take it anymore. What age were you then? I was 25. So I was like flipping over. Like I, just, I was spending more time, more time with the physios than I was on the training pitch. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I want to play. Like, you know, I want to be, I want to be out there with the boys. I want to, you know, I want to play. I loved training, love training. I want to be there. So it was just frustrating. But the good thing about that is at the time, because I was studying, when I was spending all those times with the physios, I'd be like, oh, can you just really look at this paperwork for me and fill it out? And they would do it. Like, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no, no, no. So I did all my work myself. No one helped me. I did all my work myself. But I just started picking up techniques and watching the way they would handle and use their hands and use their body and diagnose injuries and things like that and rehab programs. So I was like, okay, and because obviously I'm studying, I'm able to connect the dots. So when they're saying, right, you need to do this, this and this, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because obviously I've, I've, at this point, I think it was like in my second year. So I'd, I I had I was starting to understand what it was going to take to be a therapist and, and be a therapist at an elite level. The things that they were teaching you, were you more interested in the things that were very specific to you and how they could help with your injury? Or was it just quite broad and like you were interested in everything they were doing? Yeah, I was, I was interested in everything. I wanted to know everything, gait analysis, knees, hips, shoulders, ankles. I wanted to know everything. And at that point also, I knew in the back of my mind that I wasn't going to go into working specifically in football. I wanted to do a different sport and experience something different because, you know, playing football, you know, since I'm five, six years old, it's like, I'm over it. I need to do something different now. It's amazing you went through that because it is trauma. You went through trauma when you had that life-changing injury. 100%. And then how you picked yourself up and actively took an interest in something. And then it's it's almost like almost the perfect scenario out of what you did. You still played some football. You went to Norway, had the two years there, got an upfront deal. And then you've got the best kind of education because what you're studying is what you spent basically your second year doing, hanging out physio. <laughs> so... And people don't get that education normally, if, even if they're doing it intensively for a year. Yeah. The, the fact that yours was spaced out over a longer period of time, but you were in there with experts or people you were looking up to, to be like, really set you on your path for where you are now, right? Yeah, 100%. And like, I'm a very sort of, like, I'm a practical learner. Yeah. So like, to, I, I loved the, the practical side, the theory. I was like, oh, I 
didn't really want to do it, but I knew I had to. But to just be able to see that practical work and see how it is behind the scenes and in the actual field, I think that's the problem with a lot of people today is that they 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 might know how what to do in a book, but when you actually put them in that scenario, they're like, oh my gosh, this isn't what the book said, you know. So it, it, that learning it that way round, I think, benefited me tenfold. So you're you're a physio you've come out you've come out of norway you're back in london what was the what was the first thing you did did you go and work with someone else did you set up your own thing straight away the first thing i did is i went to marbella and partied like it was 1999 (laughs) and my dad was furious at me he was like what are you doing he was like you've graduated now my dad's you know he's a very successful businessman and you know his thing was the sooner you get into the thing that you're doing the better you'll be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that. I'm like, dad, I've been doing this. It's generational. Yeah. It's, it's generational yeah. thing, isn't it? Like yeah. our, pe- our parents were all like, how the fuck are these lot getting away with me going to Australia for six months in Thailand <laughs> yeah. and just kicking yeah. it and then dancing around LA until I'm fucking 25. <laughs> My dad's a carpenter. And I'm pretty Same. sure I'm pretty sure he started when he was 15. His apprenticeship. He's now six, maybe like 65-ish. He's been the same thing for 50 years. Yeah, they're not trying to hear that, James. And this generation <laughs> is like, you go to uni, you finish uni, then you go on a bit of a gap year, and you don't really start your career until you're like 24, 25. And even then, yeah. And even then, you go through a few different jobs, and eventually, you probably find something in your late 20s that you might be a bit passionate about, or you kind of not even passionate you just kind of want to pay the bill so you can go out on the weekends <laughs> yeah so that's what i did i just i partied and then actually what brought me back to sort of like the uk was my older brother had twins at the time and he needed an extra pair of hands to help so i, I came back to help and i was looking after the twins and i was like no like this is killing me like i can't do this for much longer i need to go and work so <laughs> i started up on my own i knew from day one that i wanted to start something on my own i wasn't going to go down the route of working for a football club or work for the nhs so i started on my own i just like a small room very similar to this but I just picked a, a really good location. I was next to a gym. My older brother actually lives up in Birmingham. So I, I stayed out there for a bit, a lot cheaper to find spaces and rent spaces. So I just rented like a, a small space like this next to a gym. And at the time, I had no idea that the gym that I was next to was a gym that a lot of professional footballers, boxers, Olympians all used to go and train at. I had zero idea. I just picked it because it was a gym. Like, I, yeah, literally. That's why when people are like, how did you, how was you able to start working with all these elite? I was just such a, you know, you've only been in the game five years. And I'm like, just landing on my feet, you know, was in the right place at the right time. But you don't hold on to those people without knowing what you know. Yeah, yeah. I give myself a little bit of credit. There's a, li- <laughs> there's a little bit of luck in there, but you don't get to where you are just fucking making it up and being in the right place. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how it all came about. And it's also like who you are as a person. Yeah. Like you said earlier, like you can have all the knowledge in the world and we all know people that have all the knowledge in the world, but if they can't, if they're not personable and they can't build relationships with those people and kind of put things in terms that they understand, you're going to struggle to build a business like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like I, in my mind, I was just like, when I first started, I remember thinking like, okay, keep the lights on. <laughs> like pay the bills. How do you keep the lights on? Um, so I was very, very, as I said, um, when people say you can't do something, I'm like, okay, watch. Like, and I'll do whatever I have to do to make it a success. So, 
you know, a few people will lie, oh, you're wasting time, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you won't do anything with yourself, you'll just end up, you know, falling. Typical, you know, player that's been injured, you'll just end up getting yourself into trouble or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, I'm going to show you. So when I found the space, I was very, very aggressive with my approach. So literally what I did was I just was like, okay, what's all the local gyms in the surrounding area to where my space is? And I went into every single gym and was like, look, I'm opening up a clinic. What services can I offer to enhance your members' experiences? So a lot of them, what I found was, was saying, we need somebody that can do some form of a class. We need some form of a class where we can engage the group, the wider group, rather than it just be a one-to-one thing. So I was like, okay, came up with the idea to do a functional mobility class. Because at the time, they was obviously doing the Les Mills and the yoga and thing. But they were like, we need something that's a little bit more hardcore for people that are into CrossFit, people that, you know, train like, you know, quite heavy. So I was like, let's do a functional mobility class. So I went to Bannantyne. I went to, you know, local gyms, muscle worky type gyms and stuff like that. They were eating it up. They were loving it. So I was like, okay, how can I turn this into a regular thing? Okay, let me do the class weekly. And some of them were like, well, look, we, we're going to have to pay you for that. You know, what if you only get one person that turns up? So I was like, I promise you, one person won't turn up. I believed in myself so much. I just said, you know what? I'll give you the month for free. And then you'll see that the numbers are good and that people believe in this and like this. And then I want to retain her for six months. And they they were like, all right, deal. So I did that with like four gyms, all local to where I was. So in my mind, I'm just thinking, I'm going to go there, smash the class, and then promote my services in one-to-ones as a physio. So that's literally how it went. So I was like, I have to to put my money where my mouth is. I had to invest. So I went and bought like, you know, 20, 30 foam rollers, my official release balls, you know, stretch straps, mats, yoga blocks. Because I was like, if I'm going to do it, I've got to do it. So I did it, smashing it. So from that, then people come up to you after. Oh, where are you based? I've got a bad shoulder, chronic bad shoulder for ages. You know, low back, one of the worst injuries in the country, in the world. It's one of the most common injuries that people face. Got a bad back, where are you based? And then from there, I just started to flip it, flip it, flip it. So then I decided to walk into the gym next door to me. And I said to the guy, look, I've obviously next door to you. Is it okay if I sometimes come in here to provide rehab sessions with my clients because it's all well and good me doing the hands-on stuff but they've got strength for if we want to maintain so he said yeah no problem like he was super super lovely guy he was like no problem you know I won't charge you just come in and do what you're doing I go in I do the session and then uh maybe I was in there maybe three or four times and then this like you know, really small, small guy comes up to me and he was like, oh, I've noticed you in here. Like, and it looks really good. I feel like that's something that will benefit me. Is it okay if I would, you know, can come to you for, for sessions? So I said, yeah, no problem. So I booked him and he comes in the next week for a session. So he's talking to me and he's like, yeah, man, this is really good. Like, I need this. Like, he's like, would you be able to look after me for the rest of my career? So I'm looking at him thinking, this guy talking about, like, look after me for the rest of my career. He was so small. I was like, what could he possibly be doing? So he was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was thinking, he's so, <laughs> he was so, so small. I was like, what, what is he going to do? Like, what does he mean, look after me? <laughs> Can I guess? He's a jockey. No, no, no. That, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. He has to be a jockey because he's, like, tiny. How, sm- how small are we talking? Oh, Weight, height. He's like, what does he fight at? 48. KG. What? That's, that's half of me. Yeah, he fights at like 48 or 49 KG. I don't understand. Flyweight. Flyweight. Boxing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So obviously at this time, my sport is football and basketball. I'm a big tennis fan. Those are the three sports that I know. If somebody walked past me, I'll know who it is because those are the sports I watch. That's what I know. Track and field as well. But boxing at the time, didn't really know much about it. Obviously, you know the, the big names, the Mike Tysons, whatever, but you don't know the smaller weight clubs like that. So I'm thinking, yeah, I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm fighting out in uh, LA. Would you be able to come? So now my ears are perking. Like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. This is, yeah, like, okay. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm, about to, <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm looking to get turned up in Cali. Like, I'm like, what's going on? So, so I'm like, okay. So, I'm like, okay, like, it's, you know, you're, you, I'm doing the treatment, but in my head, I'm going, hmm, okay, this is sounding interesting. So um, he leaves. I Google him. Turns out it's a world champion. <laughs> so I'm like, mate, this is sick. You're like, I'm like, wow. Like, so WBA flyweight world champion, you know, he's made five title defenses, GB international, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, mate, this is sick. So then he keeps coming back. And then he's like, Tim, my little brother's turning pro. Would you be able to look after him? I'm like, yeah. So he's like, oh, and then my younger, younger brother is on GB and, you know, he's going to go to the Commonwealth Games at, at the time and, you know, he probably win gold. Can you look after him? So I'm like, yeah, bring him, like, <laughs> like whatever. So um, he was lovely, you know, he was a legend. He, he, he did a lot of, you know, content for me, pushed me out on his platform. And then from there, it became manic. It became Everybody, like everyone's messaging me now. Oh, you look after, can, yeah, can you, can, can I get in with you? So I'm getting young amateur boxers that are 14, 15, that are fans of his that are messaging me. Can, can you, can I get in for a session? I'm getting, you know, young amateur boxers that are 14 or 15, their parents messaging me saying, oh, I saw you on his Instagram. Can, can you, can I get my son in? So I'm like, yeah, bring him. And then he brings his son and he's like, oh yeah, he's ranked number one in the country. I'm like, wow. So all of a sudden now, you know, I'm the go-to guy in the Midlands Mm. for looking after fighters. And that all happened in the span of maybe two months. (laughs) It always interests me when things blow up as well, because there is an appetite for your services. But at this point, where do you transition? Where do you where's your head at and where are you going? Well, I have, I have all this demand. How do I facilitate all of it as just one guy? What was your, what was your next move? This was the dilemma. So I was like, okay, how can I be in more than one place at a time? I need to collab with someone, which is when I was like, okay, I need to start thinking about opening a bigger space where I can bring on board a team of young therapists that think the way I do, treat the way I do, are passionate the way I am. And how can we sort of now start to deliver deliver top quality services across the board? And that was really what the sort of underbelly and sort of the, the drive was behind Myoset. And because we actually met at Stretch Lab, right? Yes. So we met, when was it now? I get confused with the COVID must, years. Yeah, <laughs> probably about 18 months ago. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe 18, 24 months ago. Yeah, maybe even two years. Fuck. Where was that transition from going Midlands to Capital City, baby? Right. So obviously, London boy, family's here, wanted to be back in London anyway. I was approached by one of the founders and they were like, look, you know, you've got a really good sort of CV, if you like, good background, good history. We're about to open a new studio, but it's just specifically stretching. Um, and we would like for you to sort of run up, set up the team, hire, train them. You know, it'd be a good opportunity for you, blah, 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 blah. And I, in my head, that, to be honest, the, my first response was no. Um, but then I th- as time was developing, I was like, I really do want to be back in London. I want to be close to my family. 
But the dilemma I was having was I'm now going to have to leave these elite athletes who I've now been working with for the past couple of years, who I'm embedded, like I'm in their training camp. You know, I've seen some of them win, seen some of them lose, I've seen them cry, I've seen them go through the trials and tribulations of being an athlete, a family man, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a real, real, real tough decision for me to have to walk away from that. And, you know, some of them were really upset with me. You know, some of them are really, really upset with me. In fact, when I decided to leave, one of the lads that I was treating was preparing for a British title fight, which in boxing, to become a British champion is massive. You know, it's like, wow, I'm the best in my country. And, you know, that gets you a world ranking. And then from there, it's a real platform for you to step up and go on to world honours. I couldn't even tell him because I knew it was going to mess with his head before the biggest fight of his life. So I didn't tell him. I just treated him. In fact, I actually stayed there. I think it was like three or four weeks longer to finish off his training camp, get him through fight night. And then I told him after. Thank God he won. Otherwise, he probably would have punched me. <laughs> so so I, I just made the decision. It was very quick, actually. I made the decision to move back to London. And I was back in London maybe within the next you know, three or four weeks and then helped set up the company, helped hire, helped train. But whilst being there, all I was thinking was my set, my set. I need to do my own thing. I need to do my own thing. I was just waiting for the right time and to find the right space. The name myoset, where's that come from? What does it mean? So the name myoset, myo means muscle. So it's almost like muscle set, setting your muscle or resetting your muscle. I didn't want to put physio in the name. So our industry is really, really old. It's so outdated. The methods are old, oversubscribed. Yep, oversubscribed. And almost you feel like you're going for a doctor's appointment when you go to see your physio, especially if you're going to, like if you walk into a clinic and everyone's wearing a shirt and trousers and, you know, they've got their fucking white jackets on and stuff. It's like, where, where am I? Like, am I going to the dentist? So I, I wanted to take that away. I wanted to take that narrative and move the needle a little bit in the industry and really just give it a good uplift, a big uplift, jig it up a bit, make it a bit more modern, contemporary. So we decided, I decided not to put physio in the name and, and we just wanted to go with something that was different and something that was going to make people say, oh, what is that? What, what does that mean? Drive that intrigue. And when the space does open about four weeks time, you'll see that it's a very modern space. It's a very modern feel. We've gone for, you know, a very futuristic look. So, People, what I want is is to create a community very similar to what you guys have done here at Pure Sport. You guys have created a community. You know, it's a space where people enjoy coming to. They look forward to it. They look forward to going to Run Club. They look forward to going to Ambassador Workouts. That's what I'm trying to create, but in the physio world. Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but your 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 philosophy definitely aligns with the Pure Sport philosophy, and that's why we're working with you. But I always thought of physio growing up, it was like, you're broken. You go to the physio, they get you back to roughly being, yeah, just because you can kind of crack on with your life. And I remember being at like rugby clubs and football clubs when I was younger and it was a chore. They were like, oh, I've got to go to physio. Like it was like, I've got to go to physio. And it was just like, it was something they had to do to kind of tick the box. It was never a thing of like, you go to see the physio every single week. One, so you don't break. And two, so you can actually perform and be more optimal in whatever it is you're doing in your life. And obviously that's what we try to preach as well. Exactly. So 
like you just said, the the narrative behind it is like, oh, I've got to go physio today. Oh, I can't bother. Oh, should I cancel? Oh, I can't be asked. And that's not what we want. We want people to be happy to come and see us. We want people to be looking forward to it, to be buzzing to come and see us. Like all my clients that I work with are chuffed. Like I see them regularly. I see them, you know, smaller intervals in between sessions because it's not about, as you said, coming in only when you have a problem. It's about future-proofing. It's about future-proofing your body, making sure that you're avoiding injury. And the one biggest thing that I've, I've learned in sort of the health and fitness industry over the last, you know, five, six years especially, is everybody trains hard. Everybody. You know, you don't have to be an athlete to train like one. People just like, oh, yeah, but he's an athlete. Everybody trains hard. You know, especially with the new setups and the new formats and the new equipment that are at gyms now. You know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't see no Concept 2s and what bikes and ski ergs and, you know, CrossFit style training and functional training in gyms. It was just Les Mills and basic stuff, you know. So everybody's training hard. People are doubling up on sessions. You know, I've got clients that are, you know, office workers and they're like, oh, yeah, I've got my second session later at five. You know, they train hard. So I treat all my clients like athletes, regardless of if they're athletes or not. Same principles across the board. Don't wait until you get hurt before you get seen. You should treat your body like a temple, like the temple that it is. I remember going, when I was about 18, going to the local club and doing body pump. Yeah. <laughs> that, was like, yeah. that was the best thing you could do. Like you either went to the gym and did your own thing and, yeah. and you didn't really know what you were doing. You were just trying to get some obliques or you... <laughs> You know, little V's. <laughs> I was 18, I was going to the gym. Like, oh, yeah, how'd you get, you know, those V's? That they were, how'd you get that? So I stick it up top of my jeans. And they're like, oh, yeah, go do body pump. But no, nah, and now, like, it's a completely different, isn't it? Like, there's so much availability in terms of equipment and types of classes that people can do that I think if people don't look after their bodies, they're, they are training like athletes. They're doing these hit classes and they're doing heavy yeah, stuff. They're doing or... hit classes. They're doing wads. Like take Rennie for example. Shout out Alex Rennie. Yeah, shout out Alex yeah, Rennie. Yeah, AR twenty. Shout out AR twenty. But but you take Alex's classes for example. They're tough. You know they're tough and with a lot of moves, a lot of functional moves. If your body's not in the position that it needs to be in to be able to handle that load and handle that demand, you're going to get injured, regardless. So let's give, let's give the listeners something actionable to do. Just take the typical modern person, they're doing normal workout classes. What could they do at home or before they arrive that will sort of future-proof them in a, in a prehab sense for these sessions or for their CrossFit workout? What would, you, what would you say they can do as, I don't know, a few actionable tips, even every day that's going to help them? Yeah, so if I take myself, for example, before I go and do any type of workout, whether I'm go to the gym, whether I'm going out for a road run, whatever, I always spend maybe five or 10 minutes just doing some gentle mobility, stretching movements. So I work on the core four. So that's your hips, your back, your chest, and your lower limb. So whether that's your hamstring, whatever, I, I like to call that the core four because those are the muscle groups that you're going to mainly use the most when you're performing some form of a workout. So anything that you can do that's going to mobilize those areas is going to be great simple things hydration you know eating the right foods before you go and train take a little bit of cbd before you go and train you know use the use the muscle and joint bomb before you go and train and that's like jokes aside i actually do i put it i've got a bad left knee sleeves this is my history i use it before i go and work out and it helps you know things like okay so once you've done your workout you've done your cool down at the workout 
what are you doing? Because what I always say, especially to the athletes, it's about what you do when people are not around. Mm. What you do when the people- The shit that no one sees. The, the stuff that no one sees. What are you doing when no one's around? Are you going home and just, you know, oh, I'm going to get pizza or whatever, you know, which is fine. But you need to make sure that, what I always say to people is use the analogy of, if your training's here, your recovery has to be slightly above. It shouldn't be below. It should be above. So whatever you can do to enhance that, whether it's having a hot bath, having you know cold showers, hot and cold method, you know hydration, you know using the CBD products, stretching, massage guns, yoga. There's so many things that you can do to help boost your recovery, and that is going to help you perform better the next day or the next session or or, or whenever. Just on stretching. Can you tell us, there's so many types of stretching. There's the static stretching, there's the dynamic stretching, there's ballistic stretching, there's PNF, there's all these different I things. So, <laughs> <laughs> Could you like maybe, you know, bust some myths and be like, you know, the training, uh, stretching before training, after training, doing it in between sets. I know that's a thing of like to help with hypertrophy, apparently, I don't know. But, you know, there's so many things out there and I think it's very much like, nutrition there's so many yes. conflicting things out there that people get confused and then they just don't do anything yeah. let's piss some people off by telling them they're wrong tim <laughs> style let's go <laughs> right, so or by adding value yeah yeah what what i tried what i tried to say to people is less is like simplify it like don't overcomplicate things right so before workouts or before training or whatever you want to be doing dynamic movements right so mobility is a form of stretching, right? But it's dynamic. So you want to be doing dynamic movements or that the ramp method is what we would call it. Ooh, let me just raise, activate, mobilize, <laughs> potentiate. So, what are you saying, Will? No, no, no. <laughs> There's a tumbleweed that just floating across <laughs> my microphone. <laughs> so you've got, you can, you know, use the rap method. You could just do some dynamic mobility drills. And what I always say to people as well, pre-workout, go to the, do the drills that work for you. It's not, you can't blanket people. Just because somebody's got a bad hip, it doesn't mean that this, oh, this is the stretch that we do for hips. It doesn't mean it's always going to work, right? So find out what works well for you and stick to it. That's how you get consistency and that's how you maintain, that's how you future-proof. So in terms of stretching during workouts, I just feel like, again, it's horses for courses. For some people, it works great. For some people, it doesn't. Like I could be doing a workout and I'm like, oh, my back feels a bit tight. I might just give it a bit of a stretch. And it, and it helps. It releases it off. My body responds very well to stretching. Some people's doesn't. So I think, again, you have to figure out what works for, well for you. But the, the, the things that I would say that I feel like everybody should be doing is definitely some form of dynamic warm-up slash mobility before you train and some form of more static, cool-down-based stretching after you train. Now, there's a little bit of a... There's been a bit of a shift in terms of what you do post-workout. So, for example, for me, when I was a lot younger playing football, we would do a cool-down stretch straight after the game. So they would make us like jog up and down the pitch a few times, then we'd get the foam rollers out, then we'd do a stretch. They've stopped doing that now. So it's actually finish the game, go into some form of hot tub, cold tub, have a recovery drink, and then you actually come and do your recovery the next day so if you have a saturday game they'll make you come and do the recovery on the sunday now so it'll be right we're in the gym we'll get on some form of cardio machine bike 
treadmill, row or whatever, but it'll be super duper slow. And then they'll probably go and do some foam rolling, some stretching, and then the boys will get some form of soft tissue massage or whatever. So there's been a shift. Some people agree with it. Some people don't. For me personally, I'm a big fan of recovery, so I'd probably do both. But what I would say for sort of the everyday gym goer, the everyday person, even if it means that, because the thing is, when you when you finish a workout, it, I don't know if you know, you're still sweating. Even when you showered, you're still sweating. Your body's not, your body's still hyperventilating. Your body still thinks it's training, which is why you're sweating so much. Do you know what I mean? So the, the key really is to bring that down, get everything down. It might take an hour or two. You'd be better off finishing the workout, going to have a shower, getting some food down you, and then a couple of hours later, when you're at home, probably, then you should spend 10 to 15 minutes working on your stretches. Again, it doesn't need to take long. There's this notion out there that, oh, stretching takes long or recovery takes long. It doesn't. Find out what works best for you. Find out the areas where you may be having issues or the areas that just, when you work them, it feels really good. Just stick to it and it will, you will get results. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that next day stuff. I know when I've had like a competition weekend or just like a big training session, that next day, the best thing I do is just move around, yeah. go through some like full range of movement, restore that range of motion, get the blood flowing and it makes me feel 10 times better. The worst thing I can do is sit down because yeah. I get up and I'm even stiffer. <laughs> yeah, and all that does is it, it fast tracks, you know, DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, as well as obviously, as you said, it will just stiffen you up. So yeah, I think it's, it's a great way to just let your body calm down, then start thinking about doing some, some gentle movements. As you said, restoring that full range of movement. Again, your water intake, what you put in your body is going to make a big impact on how fast you recover. Amazing. So the people got some tangible things to, to take with them in their training days and their big training days. I want to know slightly more about Myoset. So tell the people where, where are you going to be based? Right. So Myoset is going to be based in Canary Wharf. We are literally two minutes away from East India Docklands DLR. So we're at this lovely new sort of, sort of like, like this, like a, a big sort of office building where they've got retail units, brand new, I think it's only about two years old. And They've, there's you know there's a few gyms there. There's a pure gym F45. Shout out the F45 Blackwall crew. And uh, <laughs> basically, I've taken. A, I just thought I went to the space and I fell in love with it straight away. It's quite big, two thousand square foot. And um, yeah, we're we're in a, a community orientated space. There's a few nice restaurants over there. There's a Simply Fresh. You've got a couple of bakehouses and places where you can go and get food. There's a nursery over there as well, library. There's three universities there too. We're literally about a two-minute walk from East India Docklands DLR, um, and we will be opening. What's the date? I I think July 26th. That's the date that I'm aiming for, July 26th. I feel safe saying that date. Yeah. <laughs> and and just as someone going in as a new a new client or whatever, talk us through the experience from them arriving, getting in the door. What happens? I think that's good for people to yes. a good plug. Well done, Will. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I'm very interested, so it's a selfish question and probably one that's good for you. So the process that we like to go through, obviously, that I we would be and we will be going through at Myoset is obviously you come into our doors, 
want everyone to feel super duper welcome. So the the unique thing about this space is we're actually going to have a really really large like a big rehab area, which is key. That's something that that was so so important for me to have. So what we'll do, we follow the same protocol across the board for all of our sessions, and all of our therapists will be following the same protocol. So it's assess, treat, reassess, treat restorative exercise so those are the key things that we want to do the issue that we have in our industry right now is that you'll treat someone send them home wait for feedback and then they come back and say it's still hurting that to me is not proper practice why don't i reassess you during the session so that i know that what i'm doing is working and it's helping you if it's not, then I can change my approach and come from a different angle. So we'll be assessing everybody. We'll be making sure that we treat everyone, reassess them during the session, continue to do treatment, and then we're going to take you out into the rehab area for restorative exercise. The problem that the big, big problem that we have in our industry right now, when someone's injured, don't train. Just stay at home, rest. I'm so against that. Train. You know, a lot of injuries can be rehabbed through training. Rehab is training, you know, if done correctly and in a safe way. Can you give us some examples? So, for example, somebody, low back pain again, so, so common, right? If if you get a client with a low back pain, don't train. It's like, well, why? Why should you not train? In fact, I want to load it even more. (laughs) You know, I want want to go the other way and say, okay, so low back pain, what's a low back exercise? Kettlebell swing right? Why can't I get you to do an abbreviated kettlebell swing? That's not going to bring on, make the pain worse, but it's actually going to strengthen it. Or why can't we do bird dogs instead? Or why can't I change it and get you to do a bird dog row? That's going to be more beneficial than you just sitting down and resting and putting your feet up. So that is what our approach at Myoset will be, which is why, again, I said it's very, very important for us to have that rehab area. So all of our therapists will be trained in that corrective restorative exercise mode and we're going to be making sure that we push all of our clients to be making full use of that space it'll be fully kitted out kettlebells barbells squat racks you know the normal sort of rehab exercises but we're coming from a very very modern approach like you won't find many clinics that have got kettlebells and stuff like that in their gyms it's just going to be bands and you come in for 45 minutes and then you pay at the end and then you go home and you have like a a4 bit of paper with you with your fucking stretches on it or your your banded exercises and it's like a stick man that you're trying to follow it's a big it's a big shift in like perspective of how to how to treat someone start to finish and take you're taking more of the like onus on yourself but giving them the tools to get better in in a different way and for me hearing it that sounds honestly excellent because it's totally different to anything i've experienced and it's it's taking more of like a you're taking care of the actual person rather than like it's it's a business at the end of the day so there's always a numbers game there's always a numbers game to it but most physiotherapists are in 45 minutes go next one in 45 minutes might check in on you if they're really good but otherwise it's call me if you're still in pain or i've booked you in for next week because i think you need it yeah yeah so what i really want really is for 
when we do our treatments and say, for example, Will, you come in for, for an hour session, right? And so it's your first session. You've got a bad lower back. I'm going to assess. We're going to treat. We're going to take you out for a little bit of corrective exercise. When that session's finished, when you come back for your follow-up session, we're probably going to split the session into two different slots. We're probably going to do 30 minutes of hands-on treatment. This is another thing that will be key for us. We will be very, very hands-on with all our clients. We won't be giving you sheets of paper and saying... Here you go, do this, I'm glad come and see me. I just threw them straight. I threw them in the bin. If you suddenly start giving people bits of paper, I'd be like, shit. Definitely not giving them bits of paper now. <laughs> There'll be no, we're going paperless. So uh, we, we, will, we, we will be very, very hands on with all of our clients in our treatment sessions. And then we're going out into the, into the rehab area and we're doing the, the corrective exercise with you. That's what I think is the key. Because if I give you a sheet of paper and say, Will, do this, you're going to go home. You know, the paper might not even make it back into your house. You might have just left it on the train or whatever. It's in the bin or whatever. Or you'll take it and you'll be like, oh, I forgot how to do this. So if I do the exercises with you, I'm going to be able to see how you actually move in your day-to-day activities. And that's where I want you to get better. I want you to be able to move better when you're going for your runs. I want you to be able to move better when you're doing your lifts. (laughs) <laughs> when you're wadding so if i can't see that how can i help you if i can't see the way you squat how can i help you if i can't see the way you stride when you or you take off or you sprint or your gait or whatever how can i help you so that is what we will be doing i'll be doing that with you we'll be doing that with you so that we can see okay uh will this needs to be tweaked what can we do to get you there and i I say this to my clients all the time. They're like, oh, Tim, you know, how quickly? I'm like, look, some of it we're going to test and see because we need to. Just because you've got Achilles tendonitis, it doesn't mean that the exercises prescribed for Achilles tendonitis is going to work. We might have to look outside the box and do some different things. Look at building up your shins. Look at building up your ankles. Look at building up your hamstrings first and then we get the results so again i don't believe in blanket therapy you can't bag everyone everybody's different everybody's got a different body type everybody's trains differently runs differently walks differently sleeps differently eats differently we have to do it on an individual basis so that's obviously you just mentioned the the mindset is obviously going to be quite futuristic in comparison to things that are out there at the moment and the way things like you said the industry is very old but in five years time 10 years time where do you see the progressions going what new things do you see coming in that maybe aren't around yet i think we're starting to definitely see a shift in sort of overall wellness so even like what you guys are doing for me like it's like it's a shift starting to move the needle now with you know things that you can take for clarity things that you can take for sleep a lot of i think what we're going to start seeing a lot of now is blood specific supplements So people getting their blood tests done and then finding out what supplements are going to work well for them. We'll start seeing a lot of that. Obviously, we've already seen a bit of progression in terms of like cryotherapy chambers. You know, Wim Hof has become very, very popular now with his recovery methods and stuff. And back in the day, it was seen as, you know, absurd. You know, he was seen as a madman. Now he's a genius. Some weird guy sat in his pants in the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, things like that, you've got your cryotherapy chambers. So I definitely think that those are going to be the new things coming, you know, in the next sort of more of it and, you know, evolutions of it. It's funny enough, actually, as well, we was talking to one of my clients the other day about how old an MRI scan is. It's like so old. It's like such an old bit of technology. I, I'm, I'm sure somebody's got to be working on some form of a newer version of an 
of an MRI. Because, you know, sometimes... It's a laser gun where it is. You can do, um, you know, ultrasound MRIs. That's a new thing. So I think, you know, that needle is going to be moved and progressed and there'll be newer versions and... It'll probably be on, on your phone soon. You'll probably get an app. <laughs> you can just do an MRI on your phone, send it off to your physio and be like, oh, my ankle's hurt. And they'll like, oh, just download this app and scan it in. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's working on that right now. So we know, we know about the story, how you got to Myoset. We've walked through what the experience is going like, to be like. I think it's dope. But if we're going to, we've, we've done good time here. I could talk to you for ages. But in terms of like a mindset thing, I'm actually really interested in, in your mindset. How do you think your life has been shaped to get you to where you are? And if you could lay any advice to the listeners, because you've like you as i touched on earlier went through some trauma but you bounce back then you find the wee man <laughs> the really tiny boxer but you've 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 become like you're becoming the champions league or the man united of the physio world that's so right. yep. if you have any like any mindset tips for anyone that goes through a trauma because it can be anything what would that be you have to be resilient and you have to believe in your own source because nobody's going to believe in you for you you have to believe in yourself and then that will attract other great things. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, almost like people call it the law of attraction. If you like, you, you just, the one thing you just have to believe, you have to believe in yourself and you have to have conviction in what you're doing. And you can't be disappointed when other people don't believe in you because not everybody gets your vision, right? It sometimes takes time for people to understand your vision. And when they do, they're like, okay, I get it. But don't be disappointed and upset with people for not believing in your vision. You have to believe in your vision. No one cares as much as you do exactly. with anything you do. Exactly. So believe in your own source. There's going to be setbacks always, such as life, but you just learn from them. Learn from them and see how you can make it better going forward. Like that's the biggest thing that has come out of my experiences. And, you know... I, I'm very fortunate. You know, I've got a good family around me, people that supported me. I bumped, you know, I've been able to run into some amazing people who supported me and gave me, you know, that little bit of confidence that you need as well. But you, you can't lose sight of the end destination. Like the problem that we have with society nowadays in general, uh, you know, especially if you take, for example, celebrity culture, nobody ever sees the end result at the beginning. We only ever see the end result. Nobody sees how... He had to grind or she, he or she had to grind to get to where they are. They had to grind to get to the Oscar, to get, you know, to this or whatever it is, whatever field that it is that, that, that they're in. Nobody ever shares that story. Everybody only sees the glitz and the glam. We're in that, we're in that era where we want something now. Someone has that. How do they get that? Why doesn't it take five minutes to do it? <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of work. Understand that. But if you believe in what you're doing and you believe in in your in, in yourself, that work will be fine. You know, you you'll be chasing the work. You know, you you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to get, roll my sleeves up and get stuck in. So just don't lose sight of where you're going and don't be disappointed in people who don't see your vision because eventually they will. But as long as you see your vision, you'll be good to go. I'm real. Well, I really enjoyed that. Tim, do you want to drop for people that don't know any ways people can find you, find Myoset? Yes. So our website is now live, www.myoset.co.uk. Our Instagram is at Myoset UK. 
follow us, like, share, show us some love, man. And yours is? Mine is at the Mo Pro, aka the Mobility Pro. I I enjoyed that. I learned some things. Dollar, you got any final words from yourself? No, I didn't know all about the football and stuff like that. We'll have to get you down for Pure Sport Fiverr side. Let's do it. Let's if your knees are right, yeah? yeah knees good? I'll have to give it a bit of balm. Yeah, a bit of balm on it and I'm good to go. Get a bit of balm on it and I'm good to Pure go. Pure Sport Fiverr side coming soon. <laughs> we do all the activities. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do any work. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, amazing. Right, let's wrap that up. We've been the Pure Sport Project. Tim's been here. Tim's an amazing guy. I really appreciate you coming down and sharing some knowledge and your story, man. It's fucking unreal. Myo set Champions League. Yeah. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time.